Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chat. Bruins and Flames about to get underway in Calgary in the second period. Tentacle team leading the Blues 1-0. No score. Penguins and Predators. Islanders and Wild in a 1-1 tie. Jets up 2-0 on the Kings. Morrissey has both goals. Now 13 on the season. Late second period. Columbus with a 3-1 edge on Buffalo. Early third, Panthers lead Tampa Bay 3-2. Panthers out shooting the Lightning 37-16 in that game. And Ottawa rolling tonight at home against Detroit. Start of the third period. It is 5-1 for the Senators, who have two power play goals and a shorthanded goal in that game. Austin Watson has scored twice, now up to seven on the season. Oil Kings lost 10-1 in the hockey hooky game to Winnipeg. And the Oilers play the Leafs tomorrow at 6 o'clock at Rogers Place. Our coverage starts with the face-off show at 4.30 here on 6.30 Chet. The Oilers today, I'm sure you've heard it, but I'll quickly recap. They get Ekholm from the Predators for Barry and Schaefer and two picks. And they trade Pugliarvi to Carolina for a player currently playing in Finland. If I were to list off... All the Toronto Maple Leafs moves, well, that would extend past my allotted time of 8 p.m. So we'll summarize those and others with Gord Stellick, who covers the Leafs. <laughs> Gord, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Do we have Gord? Okay, we'll get him back. That's okay. Uh, Gord Stellick uh, coming up here on Inside Sports, and Kelly Rudy's going to check in before we go. So that Oilers-Leafs game... Uh, tomorrow, a bit of an early start. If you're going to the game, remember that it starts at 6. The Maple Leafs have absolutely loved playing at Rogers Place. Um, I mean, they virtually never lose here, which I guess is a good thing for all the Leafs fans who go to the games, but disappointing for the Oilers faithful supporting the hometown club. Uh, since Rogers Place opened, as a matter of fact, um, it's, uh, it's not been a good run for the we'll get we'll get to that a little bit later on but uh, it's it's been the, the it's been like a home game for the Leafs so often they win got Gord Stellick back on the line Gord you're on with Reed how are you doing Reed I'm doing great I could hear you sorry about that I guess I had a bad connection but you were just saying how long it was going to take for all the uh, Toronto Maple <laughs> Leafs stories to talk about today but boy trade deadline day came what three days early didn't it well and that sort of happened the last few years to some extent hasn't it uh, I mean you've you've been a GM in the league and you're as uh, knowledgeable as anybody when it comes to this kind of stuff from your media perspective as well Wh what's what's happening now that that teams tend to be like okay I'm not going to wait till the I mean I'm generalizing but it seems like there's now more trades maybe in, in you know three to eight days before the deadline yeah, three things, salary cap, salary cap, and salary cap. You know, and that's what's really, you know, complicated it because it's kind of like a Rubik's Cube. you got to fix. I'll tell you, you know, Reed, it's interesting with David Boyle announcing he's stepping down. Um, I, I can't get the year right, but there was one morning on trade deadline day, like late 1980s, uh, David Boyle, manager of Washington, Jack Farrar, manager of Minnesota, North Stars, and they went to work on trade deadline day. They had not discussed this trade at all. And they made a trade that involved two for two, three Hall of Famers. So it was Mike Gardner, 
let me get it right here. Mike Gardner and Larry Murphy going from Washington to Minnesota. Dino Cicerelli and, and Bob Rouse going from Minnesota to Washington. Like a blockbuster, real two-for-two two trade where, you know, salary implications didn't matter at all as far as the cap went. So that's a big thing now. And you see with the Patrick Kane situation, I mean, really, like all the machinations about get, you know, you have to wait till 5 p.m. on a certain day to get right to the dollar and you got to find a third team to act as a banker. So it's the kind of thing, those kind of deals now can't wait to the last day yeah i've been using the term especially with minnesota that they've been laundering money for other teams <laughs> yeah and you know what reed what i don't get is like you know we always think about them man they're screwed with the parise and Suter buyouts right yeah. i mean that's your perception is you start the year and you're like what 13 million or whatever the number is in the hole yet they at the bank of minnesota has been <laughs> you know procured them a fourth and fifth and whatever round pick and uh Hey, if you got cap space right now, that's a that's a valuable commodity, and you know we'll we'll see a few more uh, as it goes on. But the ones that are a little more complicated, you can't do that one in one day or even overnight. Before I dive into some of the Leaf stuff in that division, I, I want to get your perspective on the Oilers bringing in Ekholm. Obviously, Barry goes out, who was a huge part of a historically good power play. Yeah, I, I viewed it as a must. Like that was just the kind of D they had to have. We had Tyson Barry in Toronto, as you know well knowing that and, and there's you know and and the power plays a, a real positive thing that he can contribute to but it's just like a stud d okay a stud d you got to get a stud d because in the uh, you know even though the one year pronger was in edmonton like you you and, and toronto and getting jake mccabe so you get a stud d you, you can go with 4d for like 48 minutes of the game and then you you put numbers five and six on for 12 minutes mostly offensive zone face-offs like Chicago did that years ago, right? They basically had 3D, and they tried to sneak Kimo team in and on. You know, so so I just, you know, in, in this case, in, in Ekholm's case, like he's more the complete package. And I just thought it was something Edmonton really needed to do. And first and also, congratulations on being a Western Conference team finally making a trade. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's been part of the storyline. Actually, a Western Conference trade worth covering. Uh <laughs> at the at mm-hmm. the national level well i like how you put that and, and i said this earlier in my show and i even wonder if Ekholm uh might help nurse a little bit if he takes a minute or two away there or maybe sometimes if Ekholm's on the left on the right side who knows if they even go out there together in certain situations yeah and again you know i i know sometimes i talk in decades gone by but i know people have good memories and uh, I'll, I'll look when the leafs had really good runs in 93 and 94 under Pat Burns. And there was no like nurse or Nor- Norris Trophy candidate D on the Leafs. They had Sylvain Lefebvre, Jamie McCowan, uh, Bob Rouse, uh, Dave Ellis, and Todd Gill. Okay, they had 5D. And just, and Todd Gill had been the only guy that had been there. The other ones were added via trade. And it, there was no star D, but they had a more solid defensive core. And to your point about, you know, you obviously you get a, like Jeff Bukaboom was a very underrated defense partner for Brian Leach, you know, all those years. Like you get, you know, you get, you get certain ones, you get someone, someone, someone good and they help the other D in that. And, and there, there's a trickle down part about it. There's the other that, you know, you can take some minutes away, but also it's shown in the playoffs that, that, that D generally play the Victor Hedmans of the world play giant minutes. It's the, the forwards ice times generally, you know, you try to get balance and you try to get lines. And you want to go hundred percent that, you know, you need a third line, that's that's really solid in that you need a fourth line that can provide some energy in that but if you got a stud d you know he's going to play 25 to 28 minutes quite often in the playoffs one guy that i i was hoping the oilers might go after um and and the leafs got him how does luke shen help the leafs 
boy, there's the you know you, you got to give this guy credit, Reed, that being a, to be a high first round pick and come with all that you know all that fanfare, all that hype, then it doesn't materialize. But then to adapt your game and willingly accept a different kind of role for way less money and go in with both seats and become a more, you know a more tougher tougher kind of player because that's what you needed to do as a 60 or 70 compared to when you look like people thought you're going to be a Norris Trophy candidate. That's the part you like. Like, you know, if you talk to Bruce Boudreau about his favorite guys with the Vancouver Canucks, you talk about the team concept. His last game last Saturday, he had a plus five. Just a nice way to go out. He doesn't have plus fives very often, but I thought it was a nice way to go out. Just that it, that that character part that, that he brings. So it's like in the Leafs case, they're leaving no stone unturned, which they have to. I mean, they're swinging for the fences, use every cliche imaginable because that's what they have to do. And, and, and that's what he brings you. He brings that kind, of, that kind of toughness part, that character variable, all these kind of things. So, I mean, Sheldon Keefe has a lot, a lot of different, different components on hand. All right. So, as you've been watching the Leafs here, well, I guess since the uh, O'Reilly deal back on the 17th, so about 11 days, have you ever thought, okay, that's probably it. Okay, now they must be done. And then today, okay, Shen, uh, uh, they traded Engvall away. Uh, they brought in Gustafson. Sandin goes, like, is, are we going to get two more days of li- I mean, they've changed a third of the team. <laughs> Yeah, I thought I thought they were done last night, Reed. I did. So you know, and then and then and I got to tell you another one. And, I, and again, we got to kind of sit back and take a look at things. And of course, the the players will play, and they will they will determine ultimately what trades worked out and didn't work out. But um, again, I'm using Bruce Boudreaux as an example, and he always talks about it. in 2010. You know, he he and George McPhee agree that you know the Capitals never won the Stanley Cup till way later. But you know, they had those great teams year in year out. And in 2010, they went big and got a whack of players. I remember Scott Walker was one, Joe Corver one, D. I'm trying to remember all, but they made a number of trades. And Bruce said, actually, it was problematic because it was too many players at once. And all of a sudden, you had guys had to move down to play on different lines. The guy on the fourth line had to go in the press box. The guy in the press box, you know, maybe got sent down or whatever it was. And and so so that's kind of today. I kind of kind of figuring it all out and thinking, okay. How does this work without Rasmus Sandin and Pierre Engvall? And, you know, what, what, what are the positives and, you know, all the things that happened today? And you wonder, you know, and sometimes, and maybe the Florida Panthers did that last year too, Reed, you know, and going after so many different, different kind of players. Maybe, maybe, maybe did you get a little bit too much? Like all of a sudden there's just too many, too many people around. So, you know, that, that, that can be a downside. Yeah, that's an interesting way to, to put it as well. Gord Stellick from uh, Leafs Lunch, Leafs Hockey on Sportsnet 590, the fan joining us tonight. The uh, Leafs and Oilers are going to clash tomorrow at Rogers Place. So the division, arms race, whatever you want to call it, two teams are not even going to make the third round, three of the best teams in the league. How do you handicap it right now? I mean, Boston might set a league record for wins in a season. Uh, <laughs> and then you got Tampa, who have won 11 of their last 12 playoff series, and the Leafs, who we've been talking about it, not shy here. How do you handicap this race right now? Well, it's funny because the Leafs and Oilers are similar uh, in, in in some ways, except the Oilers or anybody in the West doesn't have Boston Bruins and Tampa Bay Lightning as competition. Like, those are teams, they're not, they're not getting 
old. They're getting older, okay? And the Leafs are starting to come into their sweet spot, the Matthews and Marners. I mean, the core group, and that's the same that's happening, you know, with the Edmonton Oilers. And, and I just handicap it that um, I don't like it. I wish one played eight, two played seven. To tell you the truth, I'd rather – I'd like that. But – uh, from the least least point of view, that I, and there's always al- there's already a ready-made excuse for a lot of Leaf fans that oh my God they got to play Tampa Bay Lightning in the first round. Well, yeah, but they, it was set up when they played Columbus in the bubble and Montreal in the bubble, and they screwed that up and they played their worst games in the deciding game. So the handicap is really it's going to be it's it's going to be tight. It's going to be competitive. It could be anyone's, and I mean the Leafs what the Leafs lacked. Uh, in in generally in playoffs is the kind of guy like Nick Ball or Corey Perry or someone, you know, somebody outside from the big guns coming up with a goal, coming up with a big play, coming up with those kinds of things. So they've made trades to alleviate that or to address that. And again, and again, it comes to Edmonton, a bit of a worry as well, or a bit of a what question mark is goaltending. And in the first round, the Maple Leafs are going to go against Andre Vasilevsky. And Samsonov has been, you know, a a plus this year. It's been a positive uh, experience. Matt Murray, health concerns. But, you know, so the goaltending has been good. But I'd rather go back to when you had Curtis Joseph for four years and Eddie Belfort for two years. So that's why the Ottawa Senators never won a Stanley Cup. A really good Ottawa Senator team should have won a Stanley Cup, but they got knocked out four times by the Leafs and a a big part due to goaltending. So that's going to be the big thing heading in the playoffs. I really think... I picked the Leafs to win the Stanley Cup. I've never done that before. I just think it's their turn to get the bounces, to get that, you know, greasy goal, to get whatever it may be, and we shall see. But, man, it's it's too bad, to your point, that two of these three teams uh, will be out after the second round. Uh, yeah, well, going to be a couple good series. Uh, no, just watch. Boston's going to get upset in the first round after all this, right? <laughs> I don't. Well, that's what happened to Tampa Bay against Columbus, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, you're 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 right. I mean, I, I what a remarkable season. But like, so Reed, probably five years ago, you would have said, okay, again, one of the many times the Bruins broke Lee fans' hearts, always in a deciding game seven as well. Then you thought, okay, five years down the road, the Leafs will um, supplant the Bruins in that place, you know, with Marner, Matt. Well, no, five years later, and this is a testament to Bergeron and Marchand and, and that group and also the younger players that they're bringing in as well, that no, the Bruins would say, no, not ready yet, not ready. We're still the kings of the castle. What a, what a remarkable, remarkable season. Okay, uh, thanks for being so generous with your time, Gordon. I always love having you on. You mentioned goaltending. Jack Campbell did have a run of nine consecutive wins in games he started, which is pretty good. Um, but he's but he's had some struggles. I am not a goaltending expert, and it's it's a bit of a uh, it's a bit of a, a, a mysterious art sometimes. Uh, but uh, my observation is, and, and a couple guys I know who uh, who know a lot about goaltending, and one of them played at a pretty high level himself. They've said that Campbell at times relies too much on his athleticism and not as much on his positioning, whereas Skinner is better at moving in the crease and squaring up to the to the uh, shooter. I, I don't know how much of Skinner you've seen, but is, was that a knock on Campbell there? Well, it was a funny thing that, you know, he... And you remember, the, and you remember they went hard at Corey Crawford for a bit in Chicago. Remember he got really dissected, but then they won that Stanley Cup, you yep. know, the second of three. You know, but before they won that, because Anthony Emmy, of course, was the goaltender for the first. So... 
it's a funny animal. Like, it's just like, hey, stop the frickin' puck, okay? I said, I said frickin', by the way, but just, you know, like, w- whatever it may be, you know, and, and it, it's, you know, the technical side, all that. Like, last year, Jack Campbell uh, was an all-star at the first half of the season, so-so the second, but I'll tell you something. He gave them a solid goaltending in the playoffs, and that's something Freddie Anderson, who I really liked, never did. Freddie always gave great regular season goaltending and couldn't do it in the playoffs. So whichever style Skinner or Campbell, you know, works to stop the puck, that's what you got to go with. And you got to make your decision in a hurry. And, you know, you think of, you think of the Washington Capitals uh, playing what was a Grubauer the first two games. And then, you know, then flipping over to Holtby to go through the run there. And, and uh, that's kind of how you have to look at it. But, uh, I, I get the styles thing. I, I leave it to the goaltending gurus to figure all that kind of stuff or whatever. I just, when we watch a game, you know when a goaltender's on, right? You know, hey, Dwayne Rollison did that for the Oilers all those years ago, whatever, whatever it is. Like, but a goaltender's got the it factor, and, and it's gone. And if it happens in the playoffs, that, that hey, Jordan Bennington, right? That's, you know, this year, I really think there's a, it's a St. Louis Blues kind of year. There's a, there's a different team, not Colorado, not Tampa Bay. Somebody, somebody new is going to come through and win it all is my gut feeling. And a goaltender that you don't think of the same as Vasilevsky or whomever is, is, is going to be a difference maker. Gord, I, I love when you come on. I, I wish we we could do this. Uh, for, we'll have to bring you out to Edmonton and you can just sit here and, and BS with me for two hours. That'd be fun. Well, we'll do it during the Stanley Cup, the Leaf Oilers Stanley Cup final. Wouldn't that be amazing? Can you imagine nice. how intense that would be? That would be, be great. My God. That would be awesome. That would be incredible. Matthews, Matthews McDavid, Dreisaitl, Marner. I mean, it really would be. No, you're 100% right. Yeah. I, I don't and, know if and, you... And, and, and Canadian hockey fans deserve that. They do. I, I agree. I, I don't know if I don't know if you heard this in in Toronto. Some people in the West get you find the Leafs a little annoying. <laughs> oh jeez. Oh no, I've never heard that's, that's, that. That's breaking news I've never for heard you. That. I know. There's I know. A, there's a topic for your show tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, well, I used to go out when when I was with the Leafs way back when. And and I would experience that all in good nature, but then the Oilers and Flames just beat the crap out of us too. <laughs> Holy mackerel! Like if you got one tie in the two games, well, you had like a Stanley Cup mini parade back then. But anyway, all good, all good. Great hockey, great hockey people, great hockey fans. Thanks, Gord. We'll see you soon. Really appreciate it. Okay, Reed, you take care. Gord Stelic checking in. Love talking to him. Uh, always a good perspective. Uh, I love the way he uh, he explains stuff and, and gives his take. He hosts the Leafs Lunch and Leafs Hockey on Sportsnet 590. The fan. A little bit there uh, on the Oilers. He clearly likes the Ekholm deal. And as he said, his one concern with all the moves Toronto is making is just incorporating all those new guys into the dressing room and, and kind of getting that chemistry going with all the new players. But they've brought in some pretty good players here. All right. Uh, Boston up. One nothing on the Flames with 12:02 left in the first period. We'll keep an eye on that one. Plenty of time for you to chime in. 780-496-0063. Ekholm is an Oiler. It's Inside Sports. You're listening to 6:30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. All right, appreciate you tuning in tonight. Matthias Ekholm, the newest member of the Edmonton Oilers, will travel here. Tomorrow, expecting to play tomorrow night against the Maple Leafs. Any comments on uh, what he's going to bring to the Oilers? I mean, I've been in the playoffs for eight straight years and um, think that we've had some decent success. We haven't obviously came to the, to the ultimate goal of winning a Stanley Cup, but we've been uh, pretty close uh, in 17. And uh, I think I, I have a pretty good sense of what it takes to, to shut guys down in the playoffs. And 
that's probably why I'm sitting here today that they acquired me is for my defense and then for my um, defensive side of the puck. So uh, trying to contribute the way I played the game and have been for the last decade in this league. So um, not going to come there and, and be anything different from what I have been and, and what I'm trying to accomplish with my game. And, and I think you guys have all seen me play before. So um, that's what you guys should expect. I can also tell you the Patrick Kane trade is uh, finally official after days of speculation. So the Rangers give up a conditional 20 uh, 2023 second rounder, a 2025 fourth rounder, and a minor league defenseman. That goes to Chicago for Kane and a minor league defenseman. Chicago also gets Finnish defenseman Vili Sarayarvi from Arizona as part of the trade. The Coyotes get a 2025 third rounder from the Rangers to retain 25% of Kane's salary and the Blackhawks keep 50% of Kane's salary. So the uh, Arizona Coyotes doing the money laundering in that situation. So it's finally official Patrick Kane to the New York Rangers. That's where he wanted to go. That's where he gets to go. All right. Uh, I still want to get to uh, a couple Pugliarvi uh, quotes and Ken Holland explaining how that trade came about. And Kelly Rudy will give uh, his take on Matias Ekholm coming to the Oilers as well. It's Inside Sports on Chet.